Hey guys, welcome back to You're So Rude. We've been gone for like a really long time. By like Not really. By really long, I mean like a couple weeks, but also this is season two, episode one. So I don't know when this is gonna go out. That's so crazy. We've already made it through one season of episodes. We're like a full-blown TV show. Not only have we made it through one season, but like our avid listeners have made it through one season. And honestly, like applause to you guys for being able to make it this far. But also if this is your first episode, welcome. I would hope at some point we get over congratulating them for listening (laughs) and like thanking them because honestly, this is... I was going to say it's a great podcast, but I can't get myself to say that. Hey, we're doing our best. We are. Actually, no, this is a great podcast. You know what, guys? This is our peak. Oh my freaking gosh! Sorry, guys. My Wi-Fi keeps going in and out because Corona. Corona. I keep getting kicked off of the Google call because, you know, social distancing. So Sam and I are not together. But, um... Which is nothing new. It's not new. We're never together. Yeah, that's true. Keep in mind, our last episode was the first episode that we were actually in the same room since the first episode. Yeah. Um, but like I said, this is our peak, guys, because we have a guest today. We have a surprise guest. It's a surprise to us, too. Because why did he say yes? I don't know. So our guest has 8.5 thousand likes on facebook they're like their facebook is verified first of all uh 10.5 followers on instagram 30,000 plus listeners monthly listeners on spotify 25,000 subscribers on youtube and an infinite amount of plays on soundcloud and he was coined the brown boy of the month in december by 2018 by brown girl magazine but like i would just like to say that he's the brown boy of every month that is true i was just gonna say that he is the brown boy of every month um our guest today is dr shremix so we're all like we're on a google hangout call and like the thing is we just told him to like join at seven and like our only preparation is gonna be like he has joined and I, like, don't even know how I'm going to react when he just pops up on my screen. I've, like, been back and forth between I'm going to throw up or I'm going to have a panic attack all day today. If I get kicked off of this call while he is in it, I might, like, delete the entire podcast. No! Stop! (laughs) You're so aggressive. Don't try the Rona like that. Corona's going to hear what you had to say. The Rona is trying me right now. You're giving me secondhand stress right now. I need you to calm down. Is my stress just like radiating off and through the computer? Yeah, and it's like, I don't understand how because it's blurry freaking video quality, but I'm still feeling whatever stress you're throwing. Dr. Shremix, Dr. Shremix, Dr. Shremix. Is this you? Oh my god. <laughs> You basically just summoned him. Hello? <laughs> Dr. Shremix! Oh my god! Yeah. I would just like to say that I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> no, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm so starstruck right now. <laughs> I promise I'm totally normal. <laughs> so we already kind of covered the first question, like, what do we call you? <laughs> yeah, so most people call me Shree. Um, that works. Okay, because before this, we were just calling you Dr. Shremix. <laughs> Dr. Shremix, Mr. Mix. Mr. Mix. 
just like variations of that. What do you do for work? I work at a um, pharmaceutical company right now. I used to do neuroscience when I was an undergrad, but then um, kind of switched over into um, kind of neuropharma type stuff. So I used to do medical devices. Um, and for like uh, paralysis patients and stuff. And then I switched over into kind of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's type of stuff. So I'm in San Diego right now working in that. When did you start creating mixes and music of your own? Yeah, sure. So I don't really have a background in music. I wish I had. I'm taking like formal lessons and that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, I did some band. I played dual for a bit in the summer when I was at an internship. But um, it really came down to I started doing a bunch of dance stuff when I was an undergrad and my team was part of a much smaller um so we were like a much smaller name than the ones that we were competing against at the time because I was at Brown and we weren't really known for having a strong South Asian art scene so my captain knew that I had a very intense or like intensive knowledge of music ranging from like not just top 40 Bollywood but like a lot of South Indian stuff a lot of old Hindi music that people don't really listen to, kind of like the hipster approach from trying to be as comprehensive as possible and know as much Indian music as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so my captain was basically like, I want you to make the mix for our team because this way we can stand apart from the other teams who are just going to use the typical mainstream music and then, you know, get all the applause from the audience. And like, this would help us kind of stand out in a way that doesn't just rely on our dance. So then... I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of like the technical stuff. So, like, you know, using a program was very slow back then. But then I had a lot of ideas that a lot of people had thought of because um, just kind of the approach I was coming at. I was like, oh, let's, you know, let's try music from South India. Let's try Ross. Let's try, um, you know, a lot of non top 40 hip hop, that kind of stuff. And then from there, um, a lot of people took notice of the fact that I was, you know, approaching this kind of differently. Um, a lot of use of South Indian music and I think it was kind of like an unspoken rule back then that there were competitions back then where you had to use 80% plus Hindi music because it was just how the scene was. Like our, our parents was in a region where like it's Bollywood or nothing. So kind of breaking that down, you know, India is half South Indian. So half of the competing people were still from South India. So they were like, oh, we realized that until you started playing that kind of stuff that no one had really ever used that. Um, in your competition, so they were like, "Hey, I'd like a, I'd like you to help us out as well. Like we, it's not just the South Indian stuff, but also like we like the quality of work that you're putting into it." Um, so I helped out a couple other teams: a team from Texas, a team from Arizona, and then after I graduated, I started doing um, a ton more. And then I realized that you know you don't need to just make music for a competition dance team, which is such a niche thing to make music for. Um, so incredibly specific like you should make mashups just for people to listen to like in the car or while you're studying or working out or that kind of stuff so they kind of branched away from the whole like six seven minute perfect mashup that transitions into just like let's just make whatever i think of and just kind of went from there i guess i feel like sometimes when people go into learning an art form kind of like um, let's say classical dancer um martial arts or that kind of stuff there's like benchmarks along the way right where it's like okay you're going to start lessons and at some point in time you'll have a graduation ceremony and or like a black belt, and like then you'll know you like made it, right, or something. Yeah. But with this, I was just like, I don't think this was ever a goal of mine. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just doing things as they come to me, and I because I feel like it. Uh, I was never really chasing any sort of end goal, and so now I just kind of end up where I am, where I have a body of work that I'm, I think, decently proud of. So, Sam, what's your favorite uh, Shri mix? Mix. My favorite Shri mix. 
it is 100% Shisha Gazarish. That has been my top, like, it's been on my top songs, I think, since 2017 on Spotify, and it's the toppest. <laughs> I think... I think that's actually a really good example of what I was talking about, which is like, I don't think that's a song that would ever find a place in a competitive dance form where people would want to choreograph for that and see it performed in front of an audience. But I think it has a lot of pull in every other aspect. And so I'm like really glad I made that track. Um, yeah. It has like a such, you know, like chill vibe. You can listen to it any time of the day, whatever mood you're in. It's not just like a Friday night. Which I is know, a Friday I night, love but, it. You know. it's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. What is yours, Kav? What's your favorite? I'm between a few. Um, my top being Maya Jubsy Girl. Um, lovely Shaw. Oh my god. <laughs> what does that face mean? I almost forgot that like it exists. I love that one. That's great. And yeah. then I have been listening to on repeat for like the last week the Pendamaka mix from this year. <laughs> I think I, I actually laughed out loud when I heard the I think we're in quarantine part. Yeah, I switched it up for that. So, um, I don't know, have you seen the piece from this year? Yes. I feel like the market takes a relatively different approach, which is that they don't compete that often. And I think something that's been pretty lacking in a lot of these pieces is humor. So they were like, let's just make our piece as funny as possible. Um, so... When it was first performed, it was done for OSU, so they did it for the OSU Stadium, and then eventually for Penn State Stadium, and then Maryland Stadium, and of course, Nationals was canceled because of coronavirus, so then as a joke, we were like, what if we just made a quarantine, and then we did it, and we're like, this is hysterical, let's just keep it. <laughs> it's going to be one of the dumbest things we've thought of, and just kept. <laughs> we're like, yep, we're doing it, let's do it. <laughs> I also really like Genesis 2018 mix. I think that mix is interesting, because I feel like compared to other mixes I've done before, and also even ones from that same year, like the BSB one from that year, mm-hmm. um, the Genesis mix is not as mashed up and crazy. It's a lot less pulled, it's a lot more pulled back, and just kind of works with the theme, and flows really nicely, so I think that maybe that's another reason why people kind of like it, because... The piece aside, sometimes people try to do too much with a mix because it's their thought is like, oh, you have to just keep adding to make it more and more hype. And then sometimes the point is that the original song by itself is already great. So okay. I like. So how long would you say it takes to make a mix like that? Like, does it really depend on what kind of project you're taking on? Yeah. So in the ideal scenario, you never make an eight minute mix like that in a single setting. It's usually done across a whole year, right? Um, wow. but um, you start in like summer and then you know you start with okay so we'll, we'll address this in two parts so the first is like how to just make a mashup and how long does that take and then the team mix so a team mix takes about a year um, you start in the summer and they brainstorm like you know what kind of theme does a team want to do um, and then from there you build a, a, a general plot outline like here's how I think the piece is going to look from start to finish and then you start assigning styles so you're like okay um so, fine, we'll take the Genesis one as, as an example. One thing they wanted to do was have five leads, and then they, um, every lead is generally much, much better at one certain style of dance than the other. It's actually a very unique situation that Genesis had in that situation, which is that, um, so Karan, the guy who played Fred, uh, very strong at hip-hop, and then Nimit is very strong at Bhangra because he was the captain of OSU Bhangra before that team dissolved and kind of merged into Genesis, as well as Johnson, who played the monster. So, it was a completely different team you could have said, like, okay, the, our team's not that good at Bhangra, but we're really good at hip-hop. So then the monster segment, like the, when the monster comes out, mm-hmm. would have been a hip-hop segment, right? Because you wanted to look as powerful as possible and as 
impressive. Um, but in this situation, um, Genesis was really strong with Bongo, so they were like, okay, let's do like that Kunde segment with the stick and like the charging forward because that's our strength. So that's basically how a team will lay it out. They say, like, here's a theme, here's a plot, here's the science, uh, the, the styles going to assign to every segment. And then they come to me and say, okay, Sri, so like, this is the monster's entrance. It's going to be Bhangra. Uh, what do you think in terms of songs? Or like, how do you think this kind of fits in? And I kind of suggest some songs, they suggest some, and then we kind of find some sort of mid-ground and I start making some ideas. And then we pick one of the ideas that works. Often, many ideas that don't work either just go into like a bucket in my computer that never sees the light of day, or it is used somewhere else by another team, not as often by another team, but sometimes by like in a mixtape or something. A lot of mixtape segments are like old team mix segments that never got used. But of course, also like, you know, those eight segments don't get done all in one day. Um, maybe you do like, let's say it's July, we're like, okay, by October, let's have four done. So you do like one segment, give it to them. While they're recording that first segment, I go work on the second one. And then you slowly get to the point where the whole thing gets finished. Um, can you do it all at once? Yes. Okay, so here's an example. So, Pandamaka's piece from last year, the one at Jalak. Yes. So, that mix was actually done in a single day. And the reason why is because um, they had a mix from before, but it was kind of like good enough to be performed on campus, but not quite good enough to be done in a competition scene. Mm -hmm. So, me and my, um, so now co-captain, but friend, uh, Pranav Konopoli, who by PRNU, sat in one of our friend's apartments for nine hours and just just not just drilled the whole thing out. And then by the end, we were like, this is hysterical. Okay, just keep this whole thing. <laughs> um, but that was an emergency situation, right? We really didn't prefer to do that because we couldn't do anything else all day. We literally just had like this like coffee and food and just stared at the laptop for nine hours straight and just like calculating. So across both of us, it's like, what, 18 hours of work? Um, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but then it was done. And we gave it to them and then it did well. Uh, okay, so now for a mashup, I think it's a little bit of a different answer. And I mean, of course, that answer gets kind of couched into whatever happens with these team mixes too, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say mashups kind of fall into three categories. Um, there are ideas that work instantly, where you just have the two MP3s and you just put them on top of each other, and you're like, this works beautifully. I had to do almost nothing to it, right? Then there are mixes that work, but require a little bit of kind of finagling, which means like the, the pitch is off, or the speed is off, or there's just too much noise because nowadays Bollywood songs have like all these different drums and sound effects and stuff going and you gotta like go surgically take all that out and then make it as clean as possible. Um, for example, like the Guzaris song that we had that you were mentioning, I had to take out everything from Guzaris except for his voice. So um, I did the majority of that, but now they go through a bunch of noise left over. So then that starts to take more time. So I think it's like a couple, you know, maybe like a half hour to an hour to make the first one. Which is like if it just works, just throw it on top of each other and finish it up. Um, if it takes some time, it could take a while. It could take maybe an hour to several hours, depending on how messy it gets. And then the third one is the one that I think takes the longest, which is that if you have an idea, it doesn't work because the pitches are too far apart because this, the two original singers sang at such a different pitch that in order for them to make it work, you'd have to raise the pitch of one by so much that it sounds like a chipmunk, <laughs> or you lower the other one by so much that it sounds like Rick Ross or like Super Peach, right? And then it doesn't work. <laughs> So then yeah. in that case, what you have to do is you have to find someone else to sing it for you from scratch, right? And then, so that's what I've done with a lot of these other mixes more recently, which is I'm like, okay, I have an idea, but I can't do it without a, a singer to help me. Um, but processing someone's vocals, it's like one of the biggest mysteries when you first listen to music is that you think that when you just sing into a, kit, into a microphone, 
it just sounds like that when it comes up into a song, but that's actually not the case at all. They put all sorts of crazy effects and compression and like echoes and delays and brightening it up just to make it sound like it fits inside of a song. That process takes a lot of time if you're not used to it. And I think that's the one that occurs the least often because it's so much work, but also can sound the best because you have so much control, right? You can be like, hey, there's this one part of the song I didn't really like, sing it a little bit differently, and then they'll make it sound even better than it was originally. So, yeah, that's my long extended answer. <laughs> that's insane. I appreciate all the detail in your answers. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so, for example, I put on here, um, how long did it take to make the Pendamaka 2020 mix versus Bona Hulke? Oh, wow. Okay. This is, I think, a very good example between the two, um, things I was mentioning. So, I'd say Pendamaka's mix was decently straightforward with, um, I, I, I yeah, I don't think Pendamaka's mix this year was that difficult. And so, every individual segment, I'd say, maybe took, like, an hour to two hours, and then make it sound decent enough to send out to the team let them practice within Corey with and then I'm sure there was like adjustments here and there. And then so the whole mix is what, like eight or so different songs. So let's say maybe sixteen hours to twenty hours. But across a year, right? Which is not terrible. Um both okay was probably like I counted actually because that one was extremely frustrating and we needed we needed some help from a friend or two to kind of make that one sound good. That took like twenty to thirty hours. I think this is the actual scenario where working off your laptop is sometimes not even the, the most ideal scenario when it comes to recording songs with um, people's voices and you just want to use like a professional studio because they have all these things solved already. They've faced all these problems before. And so if you're just like, hey, let's go record this at a studio as opposed to like recording this in your bedroom, um, they'll solve all those problems for you like so fast in a day. Um, but it costs money, that's the thing. Exiting is free until you start involving professionals and then it costs many hundreds of dollars. So that's why I try to avoid that unless we need to. Speaking of putting your music on Spotify, how do you not get copyrighted for your mixes? Well, I kind of jumped the gun a bit. And then, I mean, so initially when I first put it on Spotify, there was definitely some gray area there because we just ca- called it a cover of another song, yeah. which it's not, which it is and it's not, right? Um, but then, and this is what I say by jump the gun, is that now Spotify has mechanisms in place to credit the original artists for mm-hmm. remixes. Which is great. Basically, the way it works is that Spotify has an algorithm where they say something like 300 to 1,000 or something number of views regenerates $1 paid to the artist. But if it's a remix of that song, it'll just split that up into fractions of a dollar and pay that out to the artist. So the artist actually gets money. That mechanism wasn't in place before, and like I definitely like got in before that was the case. But now there's definitely a fair way to like reimburse the artists. So oh. that's good. When do you realize that you wanted to make like making music a real thing that you wanted to do this is interesting um like when did i decide to kind of turn a corner and like dive into it as much as possible maybe like 2013 2014 but i feel like 2008 2012 is when i was in college a while ago but like that's when my goal was just to do it for the sake of like dance and like my friends and that kind of stuff and then 2013 2014 i was like starting grad school and that's when i think a lot of people started to notice what I was working on and start to ask me for additional projects outside of the ones that I take on myself. Um, that's also when I started doing a lot more live DJing stuff. I never live DJed like for an after party or any, a wedding, whatever, until um, two years into grad school. I actually borrowed some turntables off of an old friend. And then, yeah, I think from that point onwards, I was like, if I want to make this worth my time, I should also find a way for it to regenerate money somehow so I can do some like after party work and weddings. I actually 
DJed a restaurant in Philly for three years. A completely different music than I played at music like Indian party. Um, yeah, I think maybe that's around the time, maybe 2013, 14. So, I think I just woke up one day and said, okay, let's do this. But, you know, I had some friends notice too. I had some friends from Anil Chitrapu from Pen Masala has always been a guy who's been like, straight like you you do really good work but like you you have terrible social media presence so you don't actually try and so he was like let me help you so then he like helped me like you know like reformat my whole facebook make it look like an actual artist page get me on all the various websites that i need to be on make it look like branding basically right just like rebranded me and been very grateful for that since where did you come up with doctor's remix so i lived in a house of 10 people and on my senior year and there was a guy I did a video game project with where I spent a lot of time not in class and working on building a, a Pokemon game that was based off of our university. So we made Pokemon Brown University. So in the time of spending like 10 hours a day with this guy, you know, got to know him very well. And when I, um, I went by DJ's Remix at first because I thought it was just like a clever pun on Remix um, for the first couple of years. And then when I got into grad school, because I was going for a PhD program, like the next day or next week, he was like, you should go by Dr. Shremix because it'll be funny. And I was like, that is a stupid idea. And then like the next day, I was like, all right, let's do it. What's your favorite mix you've made? Could we send yeah. our favorite mixes? The bigger point is that I like a lot of the mixes that most people don't. A lot of people tend to go for the ones that are a lot more hype and very energetic, a lot of hunger, a lot of that stuff. But I tend to like the ones that are a lot quieter, a lot less known. A lot of the Tumble stuff, for sure, like me my family's double um i think the point also is that i put it online because i liked it enough to think that it was worthy of being put online right because i liked it that much mm -hmm. and so even if it doesn't get that much attention it means that i still like it a lot right <laughs> so for example there's one um so bahara is one i like a lot i like the sos one i like uh the particular one i did um so when did you graduate from grad school 2018 was it hard balancing doing, like, producing music and the grad program? I will say no. It's, it is easier, I think, to be a music producer than a dancer while in grad school. And the reason why is because even though I think in grad school you have less free time than you did in undergrad and less free time than you did than I do now when I have a job, it's a lot more fluid. And so whereas with the dance practice, it's like, oh, you have to attend practice at this hour, at this time. Music production, you can do this whenever you want. You can do it like your lunch break. You can do it at midnight, just usually when I do it, right? So, you know, I can cram it in whenever I have free time. If I'm on a plane, I can do it, right? Um, a lot of other extracurriculars don't afford you that kind of flexibility. I think it's actually a lot easier to do than most things. Um, do you have a preference in whether you make mixes for the circuit or personal projects? I'm starting to tilt towards personal projects, and I think the reason why is because circuit projects tend to get a little bit repetitive they all have the same sort of format which is that find music that fits a story the end right but along the lines of what you guys were saying earlier a lot of the mixes that you guys like and even the ones that i like don't fit into that framework whatsoever i think the other thing is also personal products i think have a lot more versatility like you can you know when you listen to like circuit team mixes if you hear like dialogue and it's just like so frantic you just jumping between song and song i think I, i'm like tending towards personal products the one thing i would say about circuit projects is that It'll make me come up with things I generally would never have thought of. For example, let's say let's take the Marcus mix from this year. So the whole Mela thing mm -hmm. with 
made Nicola. Like, I would have 100% never thought of that unless somebody was like, so I did the other one of the captains from the Mako was like, I really like the song, May Nicola, Like, could you do something with it? But there's no way I would have made that mix if somebody didn't ask you. So. so who are some people that you want to work with in the future? I would love to work with, and I'm not even sure what this even looks like, because I think we have completely different, not tastes in music, it's like tastes in projects that we do, but I really like the work that Mahesh Raghavan does in Indian Raga. I think his work is a lot like prettier and musically pristine than I am, and I'm a lot more ratchet, but like, <laughs> if we made something that I would actually found like the mid-gram between that, I think that would be sick. I love working with Raghavan I love working with instrumentalists because I think it's a lot of stuff that I haven't done in the past. So I'd like to branch into doing a lot more. There's some people out there who play flute and um, sangi, one of my favorite instruments. In terms of singers and stuff, it would be cool to just like Hail Mary throw an idea I had like a top Hollywood singer and see if it takes off. But like, it's almost like it's really hard to get into that stuff without knowing somebody. So. <clears throat> Okay, so who inspires you when it comes to the music industry? I'll maybe take this two different directions. So when it comes to melodically, I would say definitely a lot of the older music is more focused on that stuff. So like um, Air Rahman and like a lot of the old music producers tend to focus because back then there was no crazy instrumentation. There was just like a voice and drums. So in order to actually carry the audience's favorite, you would have to have really intricate melodies that are really very Indian in flavor. Um, nowadays, when it comes to production stuff, um, I'm definitely inspired by, so I think Major Lazer and Diplo, so Diplo is a part of Major Lazer. His work is a big inspiration for me because I think he has very hard-hitting percussion, but at the same time maintains a cultural vibe that I think is essential to the kind of work I do. Um, Anirudh is a really young guy who does a lot of new age production in the Indian film industry, and I think he's a really good inspiration. Okay, so kind of moving off of like what you were saying about making mixes for dance teams, how do you usually decide on like who to make a mix for and who not to? Because I feel like at this point you're probably like a hot commodity. Like everyone knows that she makes makes the mixes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of details that make stuff. Um, and even then, there's there are certainly situations in which I think um, people would choose to not work with me because uh, there are people who are better than me at certain things. So. Anubhav, for example, prefers to work with Vigo in the past because there's, their themes are very emotional and the um, choreography is very contemporary heavy uh, often. So his music is a lot better fit um, thematically than like I would be, whereas I'm just like pretty aggressive <laughs> when it comes to like, like mixes and stuff. Um, so I tend to fit better for a lot of all-boys teams, a lot of co-ed teams when they have a much more aggressive theme. So when it comes to, like, who do I want to work with, I think the honest question is, um, sorry, the honest answer is uh, the team, the teams tend to cycle people every two years. And it's not even every four years, because every two years, the people who are in leadership have graduated and left, and there's a completely new set of captains. So I think the answer, and it sounds really cliche, but, like, really who I'm working with, like, the individual person, if I like those people and I think their ideas are solid, then it's a good idea to work with them. Yeah. And that's the other, and it kind of goes two ways. One is like creatively, of course, it'll come out with the best product, but then the other, at the same time, since I'm not physically there, it's very easy for captains to kind of like abuse my time, so to speak, asking for like very late or last minute edits, being like, oh, please just do this. Like we're really close to the deadline, but like, I don't necessarily have time to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But if I work with people who are very close friends with me or who just respect me in general and I respect them, then like we know that 
each other's time is valuable and I'll feel more like a part of their team where I won't be asked to do something last second or kind of unreasonable. So, yeah. Is it ever weird, like, when you reject a team and making whatever they want? Like, reject working with the team or reject an idea they give me? Oh. Okay, reject working with the team, I tend to, I think it's generally fine. I'm just like, I don't have time or I'm not interested or something, right? Mm -hmm. I think the, the best excuse, but it's also really good reason is that I'm now kind of retired from doing tons of team mixes and just doing teams I used to be on. So, um, Tamaka, FCB, Illuminati, BSB is self-sufficient. They don't really need me. Sometimes I help out. But Mosh is also self-sufficient. doesn't need me. But when it comes to rejecting an idea that they give me, I think it goes in two ways. Either I tell them another idea that I think is probably better or just tell them that like, hey, I'm not positive this is going to work. Maybe brainstorm a little bit further but if they press and just say like this is just what we want to do then that's in the end what they want so we just do it and then wins or loses that's something but <laughs> so that's part of the game i guess okay so do you still dance on a team i do yeah on the alumni team the co-ed alumni team uh, illuminati so um basically it's a bunch of people who used to be on undergrad teams and we just pick a weekend every six months to fly somewhere learn half to dance fly back do it again, and then finally exhibition at Bollywood America or Legends, whatever is the competition that makes sense for us logistically that year. Um, but yeah, I'm one of the I'm one of the creative directors this year. So how long do you think you're going to continue dancing with them? I don't know. It's been a long time. Just <laughs> <laughs> as long as I've been on our team. I mean, this is my sixth year on the team. But I mean, it's it's we practice on our own. I don't practice weekly. We just meet up and do stuff whenever we can. So it's actually not a high enough commitment for me to be like, oh, this is taking up too much of my time. It's just a question of like, am I still interested? Which I strongly am very interested, like invested in the success of that team. It's just a question of like, do I want to shift that effort to other things in my life? So for now, yeah, still around, but we'll see. Definitely start the teeter. We'll see. So we talked about like making a mix. Did we cover like how do you know when it's like solid? I guess this is more for personal mm. projects than like how would you know like okay this is like all I want to mess around with it. It's good. A good question, but it's a little bit of a hard one. So let me think. Um, okay, so let's put, tackle the the first part, which is just like does it sound good? So if it's on key, the correct speed, and if it's structured properly, I think that's a very underrated thing is that you can mix two songs that sound melodically perfect for each other, but then do it in a very wrong way that becomes very boring or not appealing to the audience. But if you structure it in a way that makes it sound like an original song, as if like that should have been the song in the first place, then it kind of captures the audience's attention and they feel like we're listening to it over and over again. So from a structural perspective, making sure that has a nice intro, making sure that like it goes from like verse to chorus very naturally and doesn't take too long to get to the chorus or else it just kind of drags on. And then when it comes to total length, you know, three or four minutes is great, but sometimes there are some ideas out there that honestly cannot last more than a minute because um, it's just the nature of how they are. So that's the easy one. The harder one is kind of knowing when you're done adding like effects and stuff. So I'm not going to count team mixes here because you can constantly throw sound effects into stuff to just keep accenting going more to do with um, how full do you need the mix to be. I think in now, um, in like 2020, you probably need a decent amount of percussion and bass for it to sound like it belongs in this decade. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, continue to polish it up to make sure that like if there's a certain part of the song you really like, like, okay, let's say in the verse there's a violin that's in there and you can't really hear it, then like you need to go in there and like have accents a bit so that the audience hears the same thing that you do. But yeah, it becomes very subjective at some point. Um, I think two people can mix the same song very differently 
and they can both be still great. Um, so there's any one way to do it. This is a really random question, but like, how do you decide where to drop your little Dr. Streamix thing? Tag? Oh, yeah. okay. I was wondering that too. <laughs> that's a really interesting question. If it's a mix that's not going to be in front of a stage audience, so something that kind of goes on Spotify, like one of those like three to four minute song type things, I usually put it at the very beginning of the very, very, usually very, very end. So it's like a signature type thing. Um, so that's out of the way of the mashup and doesn't distract. Because I do think people get a little bit like egotistical with the tags and just throw it everywhere, and it's just like, dude, like, why? Um, but the point is, you just put it at the end and it has a nice accent, right? If it's on stage, it's a little bit different for a couple of reasons. One is you can use it to highlight when something exciting is about to happen on stage. So if there's like a stunt or like some huge buildup going into like some sort of drop or something, then um, it's a very common practice to, in the buildup, put in like a rap lyric or something that people recognize, like a Drake lyric or Kanye or Jay Z or something, so that people, you know, have that extra build of hype right before something happens. Um, and you can also therefore put your tag there for the same purpose. But I think if you put it, if you did that for any mix that wasn't about to be on stage, it didn't have some sort of accent or visual, it'd be like really extra. Then again, you could do like the DJ Khaled method where you just say it everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. I and love then, DJ Khaled though. There's oh, not people. Yeah, no, he's great. But he's the type of person who's just like DJ Khaled everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, no, the whole song could just be him saying DJ Khaled, and, and he'd be like, oh, this is golden, like, this is perfect. Jason Drill is another good example. Like, he finds some place to just throw his name in there. Is there anything that you wish you hadn't posted? Or that you wish you, that you would want to take down if you were to take something down? That's a really, really weirdly worded question, I'm sorry. No, yeah, it's like other things that I... Okay, this is a good point. So... Let's take the example of like photography, right? So like when you take photos, you can take hundreds of thousands of photos, but then you only put up like 10 um, uh -huh. because those are the ones that you think are absolutely the best. Uh, I think I've done a really good job in general of like filtering out ideas I don't love or not putting something up there just to like fill space because a lot of ideas are still on my computer that are just like terrible. <laughs> or there's also a lot of stuff on my SoundCloud that's like projects. So if you like ask me for it, I'll give it to you. But it's not otherwise like visible. But I think there's also, yeah, if there, there's one thing I can maybe take down, and it's not even like one particular track. It's just that sometimes I have a mistake of agreeing to collaborating on a mixtape that I don't have time for. And so what ends up happening is that I put not enough effort into my contribution of that mixtape. And so it doesn't sound to the same level as everything else that I've made because I haven't put the same amount of hours into it. But because of a deadline, I decided to do it and send it. And then I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's over. Like, screw it. But in the end, it doesn't really, I don't really care. And the reason why is because the other collaborators did put the time in and they're happy with it. So mm -hmm. it turns out okay. I ask that because there are, there's this one called Left Shark Doo Doo. And I'm kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. Couple, <laughs> there's like three or four like that. It's just like. So, why did that come up? I feel like it was just like a joke on my like, Facebook where somebody was just like, said something, and I was like, oh, there's a mix that I could probably make that accent state. I mean, I just like never took it down. Like, the Duck Duck one is like the same way, which is that I think someone on like Subtle Curry Trace had like a video of like the Learn Mandy to like stick mode, and I was like, what if you just like actually made this mix and I made it and sent it to her? And she was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And I was like, okay, guess I'll just keep it up. 
Like, the thing is, these are all really good. Yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's just, like, it's just funny. I mean, sometimes I watch, I mean, maybe that's another example. So if you look at, um, there are some, like, famous hip-hop dancers where I follow them, and they have these incredible productions with, like, lighting and amazing cameras. They're just, you know, making these concert videos with all their choreo. And then every now and then they just have, like, a three-second video of them in the kitchen is hitting the wall. And you're like, like, if you can have ridiculous content like that, too, I can, too. <laughs> it's just, it's just meaningless content. I'm like, yep, sure. It doesn't have to be all this perfectly calibrated stuff. I do love that the Left Shark Doo-Doo has 15,000 plays. I think that's the funniest part of that. Well, I mean, even more so, it's like, how many likes does that have? Just, that means somebody saved their favorites, which is just like, why? <laughs> I should upload more ridiculous things. Wait, is this on SoundCloud? Because I'm still like, what is Left Shark Doo-Doo? So, yeah, I made a remix of Baby Shark and Saraya from Saraya. And then I was once the Left Shark comes in because I was once Left Shark from Katy Perry's concert. Um, oh. The whole thing for Halloween. Yeah. Like somewhere deep in my Instagram at the very bottom. Um, but then I was like, this is a hilarious combination of both things. Wonderful. It yeah. has 193 likes. Who are these 200 people? I need to talk to <laughs> Okay, so when it comes to, like, just music that you would listen to, I'm really curious to know, like, what kind of genres are you into? Like, is it mostly, like, brown music? Because that's what you tend to mix? Or, like, what do you listen to on a daily basis? Yeah, I think I tend to hard 50-50 it. I definitely listen to a lot more languages, like, in terms of brown music than most people do. People tend to stick within the ones that they probably grew up listening to. Yeah. Um, I think now, out of, I mean, interest, but also out of just trying to source new ideas, I listen to, like, almost every language in India. Um, uh, been recently trying to catch up on a lot of Kannada and Malayalam music because they have really good songs. I just didn't grow up listening to it, so I need to go find it. Um, uh, in terms of American music, definitely a lot of hip-hop. Um, song trap. I feel like New Age Trap is getting really boring to me now, but um, when it first came out, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, a lot of Latin music, for sure. Um, my best friend from undergrad is from Puerto Rico, so she sends me a lot of Latin music to listen to. Um, my sister's into a lot of K-pop, particularly BTS, so she sends me a lot of that. Yeah, I kind of go hunting for everything. Um, Afrobeats, great place to look for music. A lot of dance hall. One, one thing you can do is if you're, you go on SoundCloud, you can go to My Likes, and you can see things that I saved. Um, it might be a little bit misleading because some of the tracks I like because I actually like it, and then the other tracks I like them to be useful for something else, right? So I might hate ninety percent of the track, but then I found this one part where I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm gonna hold on to this for use later. Do you speak and understand Hindi? Yeah, um, I took Hindi in undergrad, so mm-hmm. I can read and write Hindi and Urdu, I guess. I took um, also an undergrad. Uh, my parents are from Sri Lanka, so we speak Sri Lankan Tamil. It's like pretty much the same as Indian Tamil. How many languages do you speak? Uh, that's about it. I can read Kannada because it's really close to Telugu and write. And Malayalam is pretty close to Tamil, so if somebody's speaking it to me, I'll get like 70% to 80% of the like, meaning. Um, I had to learn how to read Korean because I. I went kind of abroad between undergrad and grad school and nothing's written in English so you have to know how to do it in order to like eat food but that was yeah so, I mean I enjoy reading languages 
various foreign languages, so it's fine. Bro, that's wild. Yeah. He's like, casually, I know like 37 languages, but it's not, not a big deal. So that you start to see similarities, and then every subsequent language becomes easier and easier. You start to find, like, you can like skip almost entire chapters of learning, so to speak. Um, like, I know Tamil, took Telugu in undergrad, and now I'm trying to pick up on Kannada now because my parents moved to Bangalore. So, but then if I listen to it, I'm like, okay, this is like 20% Tamil, 20% Telugu, and then, so then I kind of skip past a couple things, and I'm like, okay, now I'm trying to learn what makes things unique with Kannada over everything else in India, and then I can kind of get around, so. I can barely okay, so even I... speak English Wait, correctly. Um, I need to ask this question just because it personally impacts me. What is your opinion on TikTok? Oh my god. Twiddled my opinion recently. Initially when it first came out, I feel like I'm pretty skeptical of every social media platform because it takes a lot for it to take off. Um, yeah. And there's always one that kind of dominates for a few years and then it kind of falls away. So Facebook had a really long run and I think it's gone down. Instagram is still going strong. Snapchat had a strong run for about three, four years and then it's far less in use now. Mm-hmm. TikTok, for some reason, everyone feels like dancing now, which is great. I mean, I don't mind that. <laughs> like, I think it's a combination of two things. It's that one of the biggest changes I had to make when I was making music is that everything is going visual now. So you can't just put something on SoundCloud and expect it to take off. Mm-hmm. It just, just doesn't work anymore, sadly. So you have to have a video on YouTube or somewhere or Instagram. And I think the fact that TikTok is a great representation of the fact that everything needs to be visual, but also really short because everyone's memory span or uh, attention span has shrank to, you know, three seconds. Um, yeah. Which is why things like TikTok is taking off. I don't mind TikTok. Uh, I don't think I would personally do them because I'm not the biggest fan of just being in front of a camera myself, unless it's like in a performance setting. So um, I have a lot of friends who love it. And uh, I think it's actually a smart idea for and the other DJs to start getting into it music-wise because a lot of music that takes off and TikTok takes off everywhere else as well. So, like, one example I heard from another friend of Masala, Dilip, he was saying how there's a Jayshon song, forgetting which one, Beat Down On Me. The original song on Spotify does not that many views, but the TikTok remix version has, a, like, half a million. It doesn't make any sense, but, like, sometimes you just have to, like, roll with it and be like, okay, I guess TikTok is place to be so we actually have an entire episode of our podcast where sam really wanted to talk about tiktok and i avoided it the entire time because i didn't want to talk about it it's life-changing if you don't have it downloaded especially during this quarantine i would yeah i think i mean and i'm not gonna get like crazy political here but i think also tiktok was initially slammed for getting kind of um for like trying to manually correct their algorithms to control who became viral basically oh. and i think that they got in trouble with that and they stopped but from what i heard a lot of people were like oh tiktok is mostly just like white teenagers and then they realized that actually what it was is they were just like intentionally suppressing like people of color submitting because like of course we're really good at choreography like why wouldn't you have us be the number one thing but the data said didn't want that as the image so then there's an article about this, and then they since corrected it, so I think it's, like, flat now, so anyone can make it. But it's kind of screwed up that they, you know, tried to, like, slide a hand that. Oh, my so, God. That's wild. Yeah. Every social media platform is never the way it seems, you know? 
Yeah. Like, of course, it's just like anyone can just upload and it goes viral. But the reality is that there's always somebody at the top who wants to like have a brand of their look a certain way right their social media apps brand look a certain way i texted sam the other day and i asked like i said i'm trying to get through this entire quarantine without downloading it but i caved today and see the thing is i tweeted out a poll and i was like should i get it or should i not one person voted yes i was like okay i'm getting it and all i'm watching is dance videos like but more more so like bungara dance videos because i just think they're so fun yeah yeah. This is the thing is like if you really like watching Bunga TikToks, like go to Bunga on Instagram because they're longer. Like if you actually enjoy, if you want more than ten seconds, Bunga segments are best when they're like thirty seconds. I follow um, the hashtag on Instagram. Yeah, or just just look up Daily Bunga. So then Daily Bunga is an account on Instagram, oh. and every day there's a new Bunga video, and they're all amazing. I had a friend recently just say you should get a TikTok, which I did. Um, it has nothing on it, but just to get. <laughs> Just to get my username before someone steals it. Oh, I had never thought of that, but then, like, the internet is crazy. So I was like, okay. So then I got it. So I have it now. So. There's nothing better to do right now. I mean, I should definitely be studying, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm studying and I still find time to go on TikTok. But my For You page is not, like, dancing. It's, like, animals. <laughs> So, like, ferret TikToks and stuff like that. That's, that's good. That's the content I consume. So. I was so against it. I'm still against TikTok. I just, like, I I didn't want to admit to Sam that I uh downloaded it, but I figured she'd find out eventually. So why not yeah. just tell her? No, no, you can't say you're against it. Neither of you can say that <laughs> because you have TikTok. So now you are yeah. an avid TikTok fan. But I don't think I would see, here's the irony, is if I want to upload music to TikTok, I have to upload the song, but then also make a video of it so that people can repost it. This inevitably means I have to make a TikTok of me dancing and stuff like me, which I am like violently against, but we'll figure that out. I don't know if you knew this, but we have a uh, podcast episode named after you. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's called Spotify Playlist, Dr. Streamix, and Bollywood Movies. I, for the first few episodes, I just took, like, the three main topics we talked about and threw it in the title. Um, and this is not a good episode. Don't listen to it. <laughs> no, I mean... Are you sure? That, like... Okay. We'll find, we'll find the part where we talk about you, and we'll just send you that part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Our first, like, three episodes are just not good. They're whack, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're getting there. It's yeah, just... I feel like we've covered everything, so we can kind of wrap up. Yeah, it just says, thank you for hanging with us. We have now peaked. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like... Feel free to hit me up whenever. We can do this whenever you want. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What did you just say? <laughs> you can hit me up whenever you want. Oh my god, I'm gonna lose my mind. Okay, this is like your first episode with us. Just an introduction to you, right? But after mm-hmm. that, we'll have you on talking about literally anything. Yeah, let me know when. But also feel Bye. free to say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If no, I have you time, can't I'm say like, no. Dude, now it's just time to plug yourself. So, shout out your social media, where they can find you, where they can listen to you. 
Sure, yeah. So most of my stuff is on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Unfortunately, they're not all unified in the sense that they are different tracks on all three for various reasons, um, either because it has visual content or because I just haven't gotten around to putting everything on Spotify. So that's actually something I'm going to be doing in the next month is putting as much of my stuff on Spotify as possible. And then on top of that, there's a lot of projects I haven't been able to get around to in the last few years because I've just been overwhelmed with a variety of things. But now I'm trying to revisit those and complete those and put those on SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube as well. So definitely feel free to check those out. There was one question that we missed. That um, Are you going to come out with a new album at any point? I still thought about it. So I didn't figure out exactly what that looks like in the sense of Last time I did a large visual album with lots of collaborators and stuff. So if I want to do that, or if I just want to just upload like the G things and call it good. Um, but definitely tons of new content for sure. Thank you again. This is yeah, insane. thank you so much. Yeah, of course, this is great. Um, yeah, a lot of questions I hadn't thought about before. So that's cool. No, when Cobb told me that like you were gonna be on the podcast, I straight up thought she was lying. I was like, there's <laughs> no way that he said yes. Um, we recorded our intro before you joined us, and, um, she, I, I outed her a little bit, but I FaceTimed her as soon as you responded, and she straight up burst into tears. Oh my gosh. I was really, I was, like, holding out hope that you wouldn't say that, but I also thought about the fact that, like, it's literally in the intro to this episode, so you'll hear it eventually, but... I was really. I would like to say that maybe it was partly the quarantine stress that just got to me at the same Honestly, time. Probably you know? saying, yeah. I think that was day two of the quarantine. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> um. All I'm... right then, we're gonna. <laughs> no, I just want to say I was pretty calm until like four hours ago when I just started like realizing that this was actually happening and um have been, like, about to, like, have a panic attack. <laughs> it's okay. We made it through, and this has been really great. Thank you so much. Like, we, I know we said that, like, 5,000 times. But no, of course. I know you're busy. Everyone's got things to do. So. It's great, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you guys inviting me. 